Buffalo, and welcome to the Buffalo Roundtable Podcast. I am Alex Spencer, and I'm joined today by... I'm Evan DePasquale. Um, so this is going to be the first episode on our channel. We had recorded one last week, but there was a little bit of technical difficulties with that, so kind of got scrapped. But, you know, it was a good good trial run here. Um, but we just want to start off our show by sending our condolences to the Dawson Knox to Dawson Knox and his family. Um, the passing of his brother Luke uh, at such a young age, it's just such a tragedy. And there really are no words, honestly. Yeah, it, it really puts into perspective how much like you should cherish every second of life because you know it could just be gone in a in this in an instance where you know you you like say bye or whatever and it just you just you know it, it it's surprising when it's the last time that you'll ever see this person and obviously he's 22 i'm 24 or about to be 24 like that that shit hits like differently when it's someone who's young i mean i'll, I'll put this out there i I lost my dad uh, and he was 48 when my dad died 22. That's, that's a different story. And it definitely, you know, I, I send my condolences to the Knox family and I totally love what Bill's mafia has done, you know, putting the $16 and 88 cents to the, the punt foundation to like represent like that's, that's what makes Bills fans the best fans in the world. That when when tragedy strikes, they will they'll come out and they'll donate and they will be and you know, we're not like a LA or a big market, but when you we're so close knit together because we're such a small town and a small market, it kind of just bring brings us together, but it just you know, uh my prayers go out to Dawson Knox and the rest of the Knox family, but yeah, it's it's really it's really a huge tragedy about what happened. You know, I I, I appreciated the moment of silence that they gave for the Bills, um, and the Bills gave during the during the game was putting someone's, you know, they 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 gave a moment of silence before the game even started. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if like players start like having a sticker on their helmet that says LK for Luke Knox or um, 16 for his number or something like that. Cause I know I've seen in the past where like I, I saw like uh, a while ago it was with when the, the Colts, when Tony Dungy lost his son, a lot of players wore his initial, like had a sticker with his initials on their helmets. So, you know that that's something that I would consider doing if I were the Bills. I feel like it would be something that you know really can keep the team together and you know bring the community together. I agree. Um, so on that note, we're going to transition now into more traditional football talk. Off of that, um, Bills Broncos. Um, I mean, just again before we get into this discussion because it's a little. A little happier than last week not that last week was bad but it was a close game and you know our backups are going against their starters it didn't always look good there was a lot of turnovers 
this week was honestly if they wanted it to be it would it could have been another perfect game but they want people to punt because they have a punt competition going on. <laughs> so we, I, we willingly punted on fourth and one from like midfield where 99% of the time we go for it. I heard uh, in um, McDermott's post-game show, in his post-game press conference, that there were players on the field that uh, there were players that were booing him because he was punting. And <laughs> like, I don't remember exactly what he said, but uh, it came along the lines. It was like really funny. Uh, but... <laughs> excuse me, players were booing him because he was sending out the punting unit on a fourth and one. And that was the only time they punted that entire game. And I, and uh, you know, Matt, Matt Hawk got, got in the punt and Matt Ariza did the holding. Like, I think the only question mark right now when it comes to Matt Hawk, excuse me, Matt, Matt Ariza is if the bills are, punting for midfield god forbidding they have to punt for midfield i'd hope not i mean if it's like a fourth mm-hmm. and 20 then yeah uh are you gonna basically just be like just blow it out of the end zone or blow it in the I'm end zone or yeah because like, our defense is so good that like i i would rather just guarantee a team starting at the 20 because it's not a kickoff it's a punt so you're not going at the 25 um I'd rather just make them drive. Dangers of upturn. Yeah. yeah. So, because I'd rather that than try and pin them and they return one and they break it and they return it to like R40 or something. I'd rather just make them drive 80 yards and let the defense do their jobs. But a little diving deep into the game, we got a little taste of Josh Allen. Uh, a clean three for three for 45 yards and a touchdown. Um, they didn't need to say anymore. I mean, that, that touchdown to Davis was incredible. On the money. He, you know, doing a 360 and being able to find <laughs> Gabe Davis, who was double covered, no doubt. He was double covered. And then he threw, and then he threw like just a perfect pass. I was really impressed with Josh Allen's day. And I was so happy. God forbidding, I did not want to hear coming out of work that Josh Allen was playing in the second quarter. I was saying to all of my buddies, like I, I was at work when the first drive happened, so I didn't get to see it happen. But I was just like, yeah, I swear to God, if he's playing in the second quarter, I'm going to lose my shit. Because yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm completely fine with the, the three, three passes. That's all you need. Just make sure yep. you can still play football and get them out. Exactly. That's all, it's all you need. Just take them out of the game. <laughs> You know, I mean, um, it, I think it would be different if it was a I think it'd be a bit different if the game was like like that drive, like looked really bad, like that go three and out. Yeah. Then I would say and probably have him go for a couple more series. But yeah, they literally knows. drove down the field and scored a touchdown like that. Yeah. Um, and staying in the quarterback room, Case uh, Keenum. Who would I think who would have guessed? that Case Keenum playing the first-team offense looked a lot better. I think for 18, 192 yards and a touchdown. That's perfect. I think there needs to be an apology form for the people (laughs) that thought that Case Keenum was going to get cut and that Mac Barkley was the better quarterback. Like, come on. He played with the second string, and he played with the second-string offense, going up against the number one defense in Indianapolis. Obviously, you're not going to look great, and he didn't. 
But when you have the number one offense on the field, he looked incredible. He almost threw for 200 yards. It, uh, I don't remember what his stats were. He was, he went, yeah, 16 for 18, 192 in a touchdown. That's great. Like that, that's great compared to what he played last week. You mm-hmm. know, we can't look at this as like, again, this is the preseason. Now, I think more people will have confidence in Allen. Like if Allen, God forbidding, goes down, I think you feel a lot better now that how yeah. Case Keenum played with the ones than to say if he were to play, you know, I, like like he played against Indianapolis. And again, he when he played with uh, a lot of talent around him, he went to the NFC Championship game. Like, think about that. He went to the NFC Championship game and honestly is probably part of one of the greatest plays in the history of the NFL with the Minneapolis Miracle. But yeah. I, I think like I think now if if it does get to a point where again, knock on wood, Josh Allen does get hurt. Hopefully he doesn't. But if he does, I still I I have more faith that the Bills will win the division now than maybe last week. But it's definitely like I I feel like no matter what, I won't say Matt Bar- Matt Barkley is like practice squad. maybe the sec second best yeah practice squad, and Case Keenum is probably the second best quarterback in the division. You know, it's actually kind of a discussion. Like it's it's kind of a joke, but at the same time, it's like he has proven more than any other quarterback in the division besides Josh. Obviously, we're gonna put him on that pedestal of being the best quarterback in the division. But like, at this I mean, point, think about it with Brady. Like he played with mm-hmm. crap quarterbacks his entire like like played against crap quarterbacks. I mean, there was a time where Mark Sanchez looked like he was pretty solid, and then he ended up. Good. Yeah running his face into someone's ass. <laughs> I feel I feel confident about Case Keenum. Um, and there is a position group on this team that I have not had a lot of confidence in historically. And yesterday, they did tremendous. And that would be the offensive line. I mean, you're if you want to break it down, because it's a little hard to kind of look at a box score and tell you how the offensive line performed. But when you have Blackshear averaging 11 and a half a pop, Duke Johnson, six and a half and two touchdowns, Devin Singletary, nine and a half, James Cook, nine and a half, then Zach Moss, 4.8, but he has two touchdowns and the majority of his runs are on the goal line. So his yards per carry are just going to be lower by default. It's a good sign. And to be quite frank with you, let me double check. I don't know if there was a sack. Nope. No sacks, no tackles for loss. Uh, you could not have asked them to play better. Now, again, like I said earlier, perspective. It's the first and sometimes, you know, second string um, defense against our first string and sometimes second string offensive line. But I would rather them look good because last year when they were playing, they were getting dominated by second string defense players Mm -hmm. and it's the biggest question mark on this team and it's a one game sample size 
But if they can extrapolate this over the season and play even like middle of the road, they don't need to be this dominant. They just need to be not a liability. And I feel very confident about this offense with or without Josh Allen. Because if you get mediocre line play and the run game is somewhat efficient, maybe six yards a carry total, you can win some football games. Um, yeah. I mean, the offensive line looked great. They put up, there were so many big holes, like so many running lanes. I think that was like the biggest thing was like the offensive line could hold for, it could pass protect, but it wasn't really good at run blocking. That was Mm -hmm. like the big, that was like the big question mark. And I think that this season, just like so far, what we've seen is we've seen the running backs play really well. You know, I, I think that it's been, it's been looking promising. So, you know, hopefully it gets to a point where maybe I'm not going to, I'm not going to say they need to run the ball more. Absolutely not. I will. I probably would get kicked off this show if I said that, Um, but it, they're looking better to where to the point where Josh doesn't need the offense doesn't need to like have like 90% of, the yards that we're getting are coming from Josh. I know that's an exaggeration, but it's you, you not get really, though. I mean, he had virtually no support last year, which I think is kind of lost when you're discussing and comparing quarterbacks throughout the league, but that's a completely different point. But going forward, if you can establish a decent O-line, and I use decent as in 15th best unit in the league, I think that's a average ask. Yeah, ask. And you can establish a run game that is efficient. And I still think you see probably a 75 to 25 um, pass to run split. Maybe it will change depending on opponent. If you have a team that can't stop the run for shit, then run the ball. There's nothing wrong with it. Just have, I don't care who you are, you could be Tom Brady. If you have a good running game, use it. Because it's going to open up more for him, especially with Josh's arm. And if you're going to exploit this the defenses that you're going to face running the ball is a good way to do it. So I think they should run. I hope they run more efficiently, not more often. Um, But speaking of running two players that looked great in the run game yesterday that historically have been labeled and mocked quite frankly, Cody Ford and Bobby Hart. (laughs) So I saw a tweet, I think it was from Nate Geary. And he said, if you told me last year that we'd be watching a NFL football game where a running back is breaking five yards per carry behind Bobby Hart and Cody Ford, and that's how we were moving the ball, I would have slapped you in the face. <laughs> I mean, they did great. I mean, think about it. Like, if you followed us uh, through, um, you know, our time at WBMY, we there was a point after the Jacksonville loss where I was livid. And I think you probably got some amusement out of me being just absolutely wanting to curse, but I was, I'm good enough to know, you know, we were on FM airwaves, FCC. I wasn't allowed to swear. I mean, here I have the ability to curse, Mm -hmm. but Cody Ford played like crap when he was called upon and he like he lost his starting job to Spencer Brown but well he got Spencer Brown got moved to the right tackle and then uh that's kind of how 
he got he got lost his job. Now, maybe he's like they've been moving him around from right right tackle to right guard to left guard, and I think that that's been like a huge trouble for him. I he's easily gonna make this roster. There's like I don't think there's anybody who's gonna think that he's these guys are not going to make the roster. Bobby Hart, I think, will make the roster. I wasn't sure about it. I think that, you know, the, the dominant performance and, you know, we'll see, he's not, they're not going to get a starting role, I, I don't think. But I think that there'll be solid backups in case, like, someone does go down with injury. I mean, it's football. There's going to be injuries. So the offensive line looked good. It, I, I think that that was, like, the big thing. Looked good. And they were able to run the ball and score touchdowns running the football that isn't Josh Allen. And yeah. and like if Case Keenum has to be his starting quarterback, he's not a running quarterback. He is a pocket passer. Mm-hmm. So And I wanna speak on I wanna speak on Cody Ford. Did you see Tim Graham's article yesterday about Cody Ford? I I did not. Is he he's in the athletic, right? Correct. Yeah, I don't have he, a subscription to the Athletic, so I don't, I can't read it. He uh, he wrote a very interesting article, and there was an interview with Dawkins and Cody Ford, and um, this is actually Cody Ford's first interview in over a year, which I found pretty interesting. And in the article, he cites that Cody Ford admits that an attitude adjustment going into the season was quote long overdue. So I, what I've gathered from reading this article is that Cody Ford came into this team, drafted 38th overall, or was it 36? Something like that. Early second round. And when he got benched, I think he kind of, I don't know if I want to use the word imploded mentally, but he was not right. And he didn't have the right attitude about it, which I, I kind of get. I mean, he lost his job, right? And at the end of the day, if your attitude and your mindset is not right, you're not going to succeed at the NFL. You're just not. And I, he talks about and raves about Aaron Cromer in this article, um, both Dawkins and Ford do. And basically it was saying he's holding him, they're holding him accountable. Like there's, a, there's an excerpt where he says, he told Cody, you're doing fucking horrible. Like, do your job. And he said that having a second voice, because it's not like Bobby Johnson wasn't doing that. Mm-hmm. He was. But he's had the same O-line coach his entire career. He's like, so it got easy for me to say, that's just Bobby. right? That's just, that's just Bobby doing his thing. He's like, but now there's this other guy in here who does not know me. And he's saying the same things. And now it's like, oh, shit, this is me. Like, I'm, he's now taking accountability for the fact that he has been playing poorly. Um. So I, this is honestly his last shot, I think. Like, he's in the last year of his contract. Um, but I – look, if he can be a serviceable second-string guard, I am completely fine with that. Same That's here. I, I think that that, that would be – that would be where I'd expect him to be, is a serviceable second-string guard. And mm-hmm. I, I think that just – adding into just wanting to make sure that he is doing, he's doing a good job and you know, he's not doing anything that's going to risk like 
say the health of like the Josh Allen or something like that. Yeah. You know, I thought he played great. That's like he played great. Um, again, it's against second stringers, but also you gotta win your matchups to be able to allow it to to grow. And I think yeah. that that was that's important is mm-hmm. to allow you got to beat who you're going up against. I also and... think it's easy because we like to have fun on here. And last year, I mean, I ripped on some players and it was, we had, we had fun with it, but at the end of the day, like we both want everybody on this roster to succeed because then it means the bills are doing better. Right. Like, like that's obvious, but I think it's also easy to kind of leave out the human element of the game and the human perspective on it. And if you don't, if you're not right mentally, I mean, you're not going to be able to do your job. Like, I don't care if we're talking about football, if you work in an office, if you work in a factory, if you're mentally not right, your job your job performance is going to suffer. It just is what it is. And I think that that made, from what I've gathered from Tim Graham's article, kind of seems like that may have been the case. And if he has a better mindset this year, which he seems to, I think his performance may reflect that on the field. Um, now my expectations are low for him, but I would love for him to surprise me. I really would. Um, but moving off of the O-line, a major beneficiary of the O-line, um, was the running back room. And we already went over the numbers a little bit, but let's, I want to dive into the personnel because Devin Singletary looked good yesterday. Um, he was a candidate last year, like I was saying a few minutes ago. I used to rip on Devin Singletary all the time. I'm not a big motor fan. I, I'm going to put my cards on the table right now. I don't, I think he's fine. Right? Like, that's the one word I use to define him all the time. He's fine. If he's on the field, I don't care. But I don't want him to be our number one running back. I think with Josh Allen and the offense that we have, having a running back with traits, elite traits, as opposed to just one that's fine all around, is more beneficiary. And some of the runs that James Cook had yesterday, and keyword being runs, I mean, the big thing about him going into the season was his ability as a pass catcher, which is great. You need to be able to catch the ball. Well, you don't need to be, but that's like the big thing about him. But you need to be able to run the ball. Um, And so, to be honest, he looked great in the run game. And... I don't know how many catches he had yesterday, but that was not like a focal point of him in this offense. Um, and Zach Moss, somebody else who last year has come out now that he was injured. Um, that when you're dealing with an ankle injury as a running back, your performance is going to suffer. It just is. And he had two touchdowns on the ground yesterday. And... I mean, what he's able to do as a power back and a goal line back is very important because it takes pressure off Josh. We don't need to run Josh in the red zone anymore if Moss can continue playing this well. And quite frankly, he looked great. And if he can transition, he looked good last week too. If he can continue this over, there is a role for him on this team still. Yeah, I mean, you really, you put it all together, honestly. They definitely looked great. Uh, 
the the offensive line really helped the running game and I think that it's gonna the role that Zach Moss is gonna play is a short down back goal line possibly wanting to go to uh getting getting him the ball as soon as I don't know like, like when when it's like two two yard situation that's where you go to with Zach Moss and Singletary like that first try, like there were a couple moves where he like kind of like the what was being called out when he came onto the scene when he started was the little LaShawn McCoy um it looks like uh Alex got um he he like left uh I think he's reconnecting but you got me but for to just see Devin Singletary play really good up uh, I, I think we're getting Alex back but see Devin Singletary play really well I think was a testament to the offensive line and I think how how well we're we're getting back into the the thing of things and also you know just James Cook James Cook played played pretty well you know he had a he had a bounce back game compared to last week last week he did not really play the greatest i mean like let look at all of the like the running backs you know um raheem blackshear there we go i think we got him back he had five carries for 58 yards 11 11.6 per carry duke johnson nine carries for 55 yards and two touchdowns singletary had four carries for 39 yards four carries for 39 yards that that's great and and it's not like that they're running the ball more i think what they're doing is they're running the the ball efficiently and i think that that's what you know the bill bills fans and that's what sean mcdermott has wanted we don't need to run the ball more we just need to run the ball more efficiently and i yeah. think that that's what's really been been beneficial so far this part of the season now I don't know if Duke Johnson's going to make this team I highly doubt that they're going to keep five running backs I think that the three will be will be Singletary Moss and um and uh Singletary Moss and um Cook those are the three and then the three offensive players and then um I keep forgetting uh what's his name Taiwan Jones there we go you know you know, just special teams wise. So I think that that's what it comes down to is just those, those, those will be your four. You know, I think that all three of the, 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 all of them will dress. I think I don't get to, I, I, don't, I would think so. Um, and I, I think it may actually be a game by game basis. I can't see them benching James cook really mm-hmm. even early on to be completely honest with you. Well, one, I agree. Duke Johnson's kind of the odd man out here. He's kind of looked meh all camp. I think if you don't come away from the draft with James Cook, then I would almost consider Johnson a lock just because of mm-hmm. what he does. But you now have a running back trio that have skill sets that all complement each other, right? So you don't have two people that have the redundant skill set. Um, so I think all three make the roster as far as them all being active. That's really interesting because I think they would love to have all three active. I just don't know how you justify it. Yeah, because obviously really hard to activate four running backs. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I think that 
I would have to say right now, maybe Moss would be the one that's like, because I no, feel I like it's so tough to say because Cook brings so much energy in the passing game from the backfield that Singletary nor Moss really do. But again, like you said, all three of their styles complement each other. Singletary's more that like shifty um, running back. Moss is a power back. He's gonna um, make give make people make business decisions, and Cook is that just like speed and has the ability to catch passes out of the backfield, which is mm-hmm. I think what the Bills have been really wanting to have since, like you know, the, since the start of this, uh, like since the end of last season, they yeah. did not have anybody that could really catch a ball coming out of the backfield. And I think having Moss active on game day, even like in all facets of the game, is pretty valuable because we missed him last year as a pass blocker. Mm-hmm. We did. He's the best, one of the best pass blocking running backs in the league, quite frankly. And as a goal back, last year we had Josh. He was our goal back, And you can't, that's not something you can sustain. You mm-hmm. know, like we want Josh to have really cool numbers. And he ran for eight touchdowns this year. But like, that's not always a good thing. You don't want him taking those hits down on the goal line. You really don't. Um, so it's going to be really tough, but I think Moss is the odd man out, but he is very valuable across the board. So that's really kind of a tough. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to use him as a trade asset. Possibly. I, I could see that, but I also like, I don't know. Like, how do you, how do you trade Moss? Cause then you're going for you know, another year of, Allen being your power back because you don't have that yeah. other guy. And I and I and, think that that's what you want. You want a power back. Yeah. You so it. it takes the runs off of Josh. You know, Josh will still run. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but I it's, think yeah, that... I'm, I'm not one to say he shouldn't run. He should, but it's a situational thing. I don't want him as your short yardage back every single time. You need to be able to switch it up. Um, but again, it's it's interesting. It is very interesting. Um, but going on to more of the offense as a whole, to kind of wrap up the offense discussion, Ben Dorsey. Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy. This is his now second game calling plays ever um, at the NFL level. And it's hard to complain. Um, I mean, nearly, if they wanted it to be, it probably would have been a perfect game. Yeah. It, it, there's nothing really to complain about when it comes to um, how Ken Dorsey called the game. Like, I think the one you got to look at the most is that first drive. That first drive yeah. where they actually have starters on the field. That's what you got to look at. And yeah, Denver probably sat like 20 starters or whatever. I don't know how yeah. many starters they sat, but they sat, I think, a lot. I think Steve Tasker yeah. was like saying 20, just like as an exaggeration. But it still kind of spoke volumes to, hey, this is actually a team that even though you're going up against second stringers, you're dominating second stringers. So it doesn't look like you're like struggling or anything like that. They went one drive. Josh went three for three, capped it off with a touchdown, beautiful throw into double coverage, and really a great catch by Gabe Davis too. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, it, like, 
I kind of like in like preseason. It's training camp isn't football. It's mm-hmm. not preseason isn't football either. It kind of is, but just like from the mental aspect, coaches are not calling the games like they're going to. Like that's very important as well because. I mean, for as good as the offense looks, that's not the offense you're going to primarily see throughout the season, if that makes sense. I mean, he's got – I'm sure some of those plays will be called. But, like, you are you have a whole bag of tricks now that you haven't even touched on offense because God knows that going into a season with the offense and the firepower we have, Ken Dorsey was at home, maybe in a little notebook, drawing up some really neat plays for how he can use these weapons. But – it's going to be interesting how this transitions to the regular season. Um, I'm not buying a whole lot into the fact that he looked good even the last two games. Um, I think it's important. I'd rather, I think I'd be concerned if he struggled. And the fact that he did good is not like super reassuring, but it's kind of like, okay, good. Because he should. He should have the Bills first string offense dominate a second string defense. It should happen. And so it's, it's good to see. Um, Obviously, this talk will be more um, more relevant week one against the Rams. I do wonder if he is going to try and call plays from the sidelines next week on Friday. I don't. I think he should stay up in the booth, honestly. Because you do you have a a better view of the field when you're up in the booth, but there is like that thought of, oh well, maybe. You know, just to like get a feel because he's been down on the field for so long. Now that he's up in the booth, I mean, I mean, we'll see. I mean, there should be like no important starters. Like Josh shouldn't play, Dig shouldn't play, Davis shouldn't play. I we're gonna see some starters play though because by the time next week's game roll, rolls around, the roster's gonna be cut down like below eighty, right? Uh, something like that. I gotta, let me see when roster cuts, uh, do happen, but, um, there's gonna, there's going to, just by the nature of how the cuts roll around, I don't know the exact number, but we're going to be losing some of these depth pieces. Mm-hmm. So the second stringers will probably get more time. And that being said, you may see some starters play early on because you don't want a second string team playing the entire preseason game. You don't. Um, so the so the deadline for the fifty three deadline for fifty three man roster is the thirtieth, yeah. Tuesday August thirtieth. Um, eighty five man rosters, uh, by the sixteenth, which we already passed because it's the twenty first. Tuesday the roster needs to be cut down to eighty by yeah. by the twenty third, which is Tuesday. Yeah, so we'll be uh, like probably a little so, below um, that eighty mark. On the Carolina game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm interested to see um, who's going to be the starting quarterback for um, Carolina. Is it going to be Baker Mayfield or is it going to be Sam Darnold? Honestly, Matt Rule is such Donald. Matt Rule oh, is yeah, such an about idiot. The preseason game or the regular season? We're talking, I'm talking about pre. Well, like, I, I mean, I don't know if he has made a decision on. Who's going to be the starting quarterback? Baker Mayfield. It's going to be their starting. The fact that he had to wait to make a decision just annoys me because Baker Mayfield is clearly, I mean, yeah, you gave up a first, I believe. No, you didn't. Did you give up a first for Sam Darnold? 
Oh, yeah. for Darnold. No, they gave up like a third, maybe? Let me, let me see if I can find this trade details. I, it was not a first, though. I don't but, think. I'm still there right now. But still, I think that looking at it, Mayfield is the better quarterback, and Darnold is just going to be. I feel like he's just going to end up being a career backup. He'll be. Yeah, he'll probably be a journeyman. Mm-hmm. He'll be like, what's his name that you like? You and Dan kept bugging with me the entire football. Yeah, with his the long neck. Like when I saw like someone photoshopped his neck like super long, I was like, Ugh. but. I mean, I I think that no matter what, Matt Rule is going to get fired, whether that's during the season or at the end of the season. And um, sorry to cut you off, but Sam Darnold, the number three overall draft pick in 2018, was traded for a sixth rounder in the 2021 draft, a second and a fourth in the 2022 draft. That was an awful trade. Awful. They got Baker for what, a fifth? I think something like that. And they're also not even paying his full fifth-year guarantee. Now, no. if you're the Panthers, I would possibly consider, if he plays good, to maybe give like a Baker Mayfield a like a, a, a bridge contract, see how he does. It depends on the money. Um, mm. I still think I ripped on Baker a lot last year, knowing he was injured. I, it was just like a funny bit. I think he has the potential to be like a top 15 quarterback. And I'm, I say that as like being the 15th quarterback. Like, I don't think he's going to be much better than that, but I, you're not going to convince me that there's 15 quarterbacks. He should have gone to Seattle quarterback better than Baker. I actually respect what Seattle's doing, honestly, because Baker is a short term upgrade over Locke and Gino, but, you're gonna make your team better. You're gonna get a worse draft pick. Just, just ride the year out. Play Drew Locke. He should start over Geno because he's still young. Like maybe you have something in Drew Locke. I doubt it, but maybe take the chance on a young kid. And assuming he doesn't work out, then you have a really high draft pick next year. Take a quarterback. I don't even know who who would be your top. Who like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. There's a few names, but I haven't really looked at the quarterback class. Honestly, since we've gotten Josh, I have not paid much attention to college football quarterbacks. I, I haven't paid attention to college football, just period. I don't like, I mean, I might yeah. watch like Ohio State because that's like my, 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 my college team that I like to watch, but. Yeah, really. I'm not a huge college football guy. I will watch some all 22 on a couple of rookies once we get close to draft time, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to discuss now a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. I don't feel like there's as much to discuss there um, as in terms of offense. Um, Shaq Lawson had a solid game. Um, he flashed off the screen a few times, and he is really the floor of our, um, our edge rushing room. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good run stopper. He has a really he brings really good energy to the team. He's a great guy. You know, I'm happy they brought him back. Um, and I mean, geez, if you get one of these like bottom of the roster, I mean, I mean, I don't mean that disrespectfully. You rotate these guys in and out, but bottom of the depth chart guys to produce for you, that's just another added bonus. Right? Absolutely. 
Houston, he, like, Von Miller is going to clear double-digit sacks pretty easily. But Von Miller or Shaq Lawson, if you can get him around like four sacks this year, I'll take that. I I I think that Shaq Lawson he's he's not going to be a run stopper, but I do. Well, excuse me, no, not a run stopper. He is going to be a run stopper, but I don't see him much as like rushing the quarterback. I think that mm-hmm. he'll be like maybe a good second down guy. I mean, again, they rotate them. I don't know how they rotate them, like what their system is, yeah. but they do it. Um, he literally stopped a series by himself. Shaq Lawson early in the game. He like, I was driving, listening to the game and all I kept hearing was Shaq Lawson, this Shaq Lawson, that like good Shaq Lawson stuff. Not like Shaq Lawson, this, Oh, he did bad. Shaq Lawson, that he played good. And he honestly, that tip pass that he had, if he had known where that ball was and he picked that off, that would have been pick six. Yeah. He would have housed it. Cause nobody was around him. He just didn't know where the ball was. And it happened to just, Drop in the drop on the ground. All right, moving into the secondary a little bit. Um, weekly update on the rookie corners. Um, I think Benford played better than Elam this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Elam had a couple not good penalties, which was a big thing coming out of college for him. Uh, you know, he kind of he gets beat a little early on, and then he uses his hand, his length, and he's real grabby, and um, he's going to get a lot of penalties like that. And that's something that you kind of process as a fan now. Like, I expect Elam to have multiple illegal contact penalties throughout the year. It's just something he's going to have to get over. Uh, we saw that yesterday. Um, and I would not be surprised to see it against the Rams, uh, to play Frank. Especially if Tredavious White is not ready to go. I, I'd assume Dane Jack, Dane Jackson will probably be the number one. I think, well, Besides Tredavious White, I think Dane Jackson is right now the number two corner, and it's no disrespect to the other two guys. I think that, I think that those guys are great. Um, I think that he, Elam is more of a man coverage type uh, corner. He's he's not like a zone guy. Where as Benford, he is a a zone. He's more of his own quarter uh, corner. And if anybody is listening or uh, watching it on our stream on uh, YouTube or Twitch or wherever, you know, throw in a comment. If you have a question for us, we'll answer it. You know, that's how we'll that's how we get to, you know, that's what I love about, you know, what I do also at WGR. I, I, I work as a producer part time there. I'm sometimes there when I get questions asked. Uh, from callers or tweets, you know, <laughs> uh, Evan Harrington is uh, listening. What's up, Evan? Uh, but yeah, on, like if 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 you're if you're calling and and stuff like that, and that's kind of how we know that you're listening to us, which is always awesome. But but anyways, back to it. Like with the defense, they played played great. Um, I think that the rookie corners. They might start week one, but it's going to be a tough one when when it comes down to just uh, when you're going to have to be going up against Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. Cooper oh, Cup, was, Cup like was had the triple crown in uh, receiving, and um, 
it just that that's just what ends up happening is like you might end up getting beat, but you know, you're going to have to work at it with rookies ketchup or mustard on your hot dogs. I put everything on my hot dogs, like a little bit of both sprinkle some relish on that shit. It's so good. I work at Ted's and, uh, it, it, I like, I get all sick. I go, like I put ketchup, mustard, relish, the hot sauce, onion, and pickle. I put everything on it. Everything. Relish and pickle? Isn't that a little redundant? Well, it's it's sweet relish and dill pickle. I guess. Okay. Uh, Elam or Benford CB2. I honestly think it will be more of a matchup thing, assuming White's out. Um, I think if you want to switch up the coverages a bit and play a little more man, you'll put Elam out there. And if you want a more solid zone corner, it'll probably be Benford. I think you could see more of like how we rotate the D line based on the matchups. It's probably going to be something similar. We historically we have not been deep enough to do that, but I think we probably this year for the first time have the personnel where they probably feel comfortable doing that. So I think that could be the answer to CB two. Yeah, I I think that right now, probably I think. I think Elam will be will not start the first game against the Rams just because you're going up against like I said Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup. Uh, again, it's a matchup thing. I don't want. I want to see Elam more on the field than Benford, only because you spent a first round asset on Elam and you know watching it's Elam so high too. Yeah, and watch it like they they traded up to go get him and watching Elam. Uh, you know, he had these battles with Diggs in the in training camp, but and you know, Diggs won a lot of those, but that's also because that's Stefan freaking Diggs. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting matchup. Um but we're gonna move on to the last segment of the show. And we started off a little somber with the Luke Knox thing, and we're gonna end maybe a little frustrated with uh the Deshaun Washington discussion. Um, I'm going to leave this to you, Evan. I want you to share your thoughts before I go. Okay. I used to like Deshaun Watson. Like I always like when he came out out of college at Clemson, I was like, I want him for the bills, but you know, that didn't happen. I always like paying attention to his career because of how talented he was and how talented he is. I think that he's easily maybe a, a, top seven quarterback in the NFL right now. But when there's an allegation that comes out you against 24 women and you get, what was it? 11 or 12 games, 11, 11 games. So he'll come back to play against, uh, against the Texans. That's basically, there was no way for either side to win because like, this is what the NFL, the NFL should have suspended him. For excuse me, it should have suspended him for a year, and they ended up not doing the right thing. They own the, the all they cared about was basically, oh, you know what? We'll we'll make sure we'll have him get suspended, and he'll play against his former team. That way, we'll make some money off of it. There'll be more articles, blah 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 blah. And they just handled it the wrong way, and it's just so frustrating. Because there have been, and he, and it's not like he's like, I'm sorry for the people that I offended. He 
literally is not remorseful at all. He's no. like, he is still trying to prove his innocence when he was found guilty in, uh, again, like to sexual That's assault charges against judge Robinson. And even yeah. like, I, like I, I was listening to WGR the other day and they were comparing like Michael Vick to this Michael Vick. Yeah. He, he got in with dog fighting. What he was doing was terrible. And he was all over the place and he ends up getting sentenced to what was it? Two years in prison, two years in, oh in, in federal prison. And then he gets suspended by the NFL. He comes back, but he knows what he did was wrong. And he also knows that what he did was wrong and he's doing stuff to make it better. He is helping out with like he again, I feel like there are people that are not going to like him because of what happened, but he is working his way to be better, a, a better person and like to really just and it, and it's not and like the NFL. Ugh, I, I don't know. But I, I think that he felt sorry about what he did, and but in Deshaun Watson's case, he isn't, and that's the frustrating thing about this. Like, and, I think to be honest with you, I'm. I would say I'm not a betting man, but I won 400 bucks on the preseason game yesterday, so I kind of am. Um, <laughs> but uh, if I was a betting man, I would bet that something like this may pop up again in Watson's career. He has no remorse. He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't. He cares he got caught. He cares he has to pay money. He cares he has to sit out 11 football games. But what a fucking joke. I mean, I mean, genuinely, what a joke. You're not going to convince me that this guy gives a fuck about anything. I loved him out of Clemson. I mocked him to the Bills. In my first ever mock draft I did, I mocked him to the Bills at 10. I think we picked there that year. And I was a fan of his in Houston. All this stuff came out, and I was, you know, I was waiting for the inf all the information to come out. Because at first it was like a headline and not to – I didn't instantly jump to conclusions, right? Because – I wanted all the details to come out. But Judge Sue Robinson's report, if you take five minutes and read any part of that, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And he does not give a fuck. He doesn't. And that's fine. He doesn't have to. But his half-assed apology during the appeal process which then caused Goodell to say that he was, oh, he's on He's on the route to being a better person. He's, you know, he's remorseful for his actions. And then not even half an hour later, I stand by my innocence. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, shut the fuck up. You are not innocent. You are not. Like, you cannot convince me that if you objectively look at this entire situation, that there is any shroud of innocence in what Deshaun Watson did. Like, the very best that I will give him, the very best that I will label him, is that he's a weirdo. And that is still very, like, very light. And I feel a little uncomfortable labeling him that, because more likely he's a serial predator. He probably has some mental illnesses. 
because you can't be right in the head and do what he does. You can't. And to be quite frank with you, he should not play another down in the NFL again. He's going to. I know he will, but he shouldn't. Here's the thing. He he is at the quarterback position and he plays such a he he's so good at the quarterback position that there's no way. The thing that pisses me off the most about this is that they gave him all of this money and this is all guaranteed money. This is not like oh he may he's like this is his contract is 100% guaranteed, which yeah. pisses me the fuck off that he's getting this money after doing this. And I, I don't know if he got a fine or not. I think he did, but I know. that that's what I thought. It's nothing compared to the 255 million he got, whatever it was. And it's, it is disgusting. And even <laughs> like, I, I just feel bad for the women who like that that's what I feel like has happened so much not only in society in like in our society but also in the NFL where the the NFL won't care about women and they won't look at it to where they wanna just you know, you know honestly I, I think so from the NFL's perspective and I don't like to defend them and that's not what I'm trying to do. But I get the I get the perspective of not wanting this to be something that lingers, right? We so if you're Goodell, um, I don't want this to be a conversation in February when the Super Bowl is going on. I just don't want that. So I understand why they came to a settlement. Um, the thing that kind of upsets me more than the NFL's perspective is just like the fan engagement about it, because if you look at any comment section about Deshaun Watson. Sure, I'd say maybe like 75% of the comments are, you know, you sick fuck or whatever, right? But there's still so many people, majority are Browns fans, that are belittling the victims in this and making it come out to be like a conspiracy against Deshaun Watson. Like the one that I see all the time, it's like, well, this didn't come out until he demanded a trade. The first allegations were reported to the lawyer while he was in Houston. This is not because he wanted to leave Houston. That's such a fucking brain dead argument. If you just look at the date of the first allegation that was submitted to uh, Busby, I think his name is, it happened while he was a Houston Texan. It's almost like things come out in, in a legal sense, are slow. It's a slow play. Everything is super slow. This thing lingered a long time. And quite frankly, it should have lingered more. Because I understand um, why the survivors in this instance only went to a civil court case. Because you're not going to take Sean Watson to criminal court and win the case. Mm-hmm. No matter how, no matter, especially in an instance of sexual assault, it's just not going to happen. Because unless somebody has physical hard evidence, which in cases of sexual assault, you generally don't. That's the thing that sucks about it. Because at the end of the day, it's you and one other person in a room together. And 
I think having multiple testimony from like 30 different women, because there are people who have come out recently and spoke out about Watson who haven't sued him, who haven't gone through any of this because they didn't want the backlash that comes with it. Because if you look at any of the women that are engaging in this, that were one of the 24 that sued, all of, all engagement towards them on social media is extremely negative because of the stigma that, oh, he's rich, so you just want his money. Or, or crazy thought, he's just a psychotic piece of shit. That's what he is. It, it is what it is. And it really, it's upsetting to see that because if you are a victim of sexual assault, and you look at something like this and the scope is so big right the nfl is such like a such a big outreach and having one of your premier athletes in the league be defended endlessly by people and who know legitimately nothing about the situation because he's good at football that is i can only imagine how disheartening that is because the instant conclusion is that if I speak out against sexual assault, I'm just going to be told I want to benefit from it, as opposed to just genuinely speaking out. And at the end of the day, I think that is the most frustrating part about all of this is one, the whole, all the victims in the situation, and including the people who haven't sued because you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and believe that this couldn't be in the 40s, right? He saw 66 massage therapists, was it? Something like that. This, the number could be way higher. So I just, I. It's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating. Nobody won. Nobody won, but it's like the whole culture in this country surrounding sexual assault. It's, and I mean, not even just in this country, like worldwide, like it's, it's an issue everywhere. And it's something that's not taken seriously enough. And this is kind of a microcosm of that. Um, because it's so easy to just say, you didn't do it. You have no evidence. No evidence. You didn't do it. But that's not that's not how this works. It's not. And I hate to end the show on a frustrated note, but to be quite honest, that's just where I'm at. It's it is very frustrating. Um and yeah, the women reached a settlement and they got money. But how you deal with trauma and how you recover from trauma isn't like a financial thing. And it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. People handle these things differently. People process trauma differently. And so just to look at it and say, well, they got money, that doesn't mean shit, right? Like, good for them, at least, I guess. They got something out of it. But that's not, the money's not going to make what happened go away. No, it's not. And... The motherfucker still has like $230 million to his name, right? Like, you're not going to tell me that he's not going to go out and do this again at some point. Maybe it's not next year. Maybe it's not the year after. 
but maybe once everything settles down and people move on, which is, you know, it sucks, but it's going to happen, right? That's, it always happens. Who's to say he doesn't do it again? Like, honestly. I don't know. But that's all I have to say on this. I can go on for longer, but... <laughs> I just... Like, I, you're passionate about what you had to say, and, you know, it was... I really... I really appreciated all that. You know, it's it sucks. It does. Just um to just look at what what has happened over the past like year or so when when this happened, you know, he he didn't play all of last year and he still got paid. He still got paid. He was just on the. He was still on the active roster. He just did not play, and yeah. it's it's so. And like that's also one thing you got to look at. It and you know who knows what what will happen to him in years to come. But I just I used to always I used to enjoy watching him play because he was people called him Superman because of how good he was. Mm-hmm. And he showed that in the playoff game against the Bills, and then I just I can't anymore. I and I think another frustrating part is that it's very obvious to me that he's not the only one. He's just one of the few that got caught. I mean, there's probably a player on each team that has some shit like this to his name. Just the culture of our country, of the world, people with money. People without money, people in positions of power, people that feel that they can exploit their status in society over another individual. It doesn't always have to be a woman, right? It it probably has happened dozens of times in the league. Watson's just one of the few that got caught. And I, that's one of the more disheartening thoughts about it, too. But we're going to wrap it up here. Um, there's a good discussion today. We'll be back uh next week to discuss the carolina game and we'll probably have some cuts to talk about rosters getting trimmed down um i do not envy brandon bean he has a lot of decisions to make about this team uh that i a lot of talk could not make <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i would not be surprised if there was a few trades because some of these players are going to be valuable that you're cutting um but it was a pleasure evan um, thank you for watching All That Have and All That Watch this broadcast as it exists on our YouTube for the rest of time. Have a great night and go Bills. Go Bills.